Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Chad and Nate, again, sans Chad. Sans Chad because Chad is, well, he's on vacation this week. So sitting in with, with me today, yesterday was James Merrillat. We had some heated uh, discussions, but today mm. it's my friend Matt Smith. How you doing, Nate? I'm good. How are you, Matt? By the way, Chad's not here, but do you know what today is? Chad Day? It's Chad's birthday. Is it? It is. 52 today. How did you know that? Because I was with him on Friday, and he told me that his birthday was coming up, and I remembered. You remember? Yeah. When when there are people close, like if you were to tell me your birthday, I may remember. No, no, no. I'd remember it for sure, especially if it was like next week. Well, uh, I share a birthday with with another host on this station. Oh, yeah, you do. Did Did you know who? I remember you shared it with somebody else. It will come to me when you say it. Is that right? Uh, Mike Evans. That's who it was. Yeah, because I did. Yes, I remember that because I brought Mike cupcakes for his birthday. And you weren't here to receive some of those cupcakes. So I was disappointed because one of those I had actually made just for you. Wow. You ever see the episode of The Office where Todd Packer makes cupcakes for everybody? It was kind of like that. It was kind of like that. Todd Packer. What Mm -hmm. a great show. Great show. You know what I was thinking? Like, So I found out recently that... Actually, we had Mike Kliss on yesterday, and he was talking about whether or not the rumors were true that Russell Wilson has an office at Dove Valley. Because mm. there's the rumors were that Russell Wilson has an office. And in my mind, that's not cool. Not cool, number one. But I also went to a, a, a <laughs> like a a redo of the office. Okay. And and Russell Wilson would be like Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah, he kind of would be, wouldn't he? He right. would be the Michael Scott of the office. So Michael Scott. Because doesn't Russell sort of talk in like Disney cliches? Yeah. Kind of miss yeah. the mark a little bit. A hundred percent. No, no, no. That's exactly who it was. He's not a gym. Like, he's not like the, no. you're more of a gym in the office. Yeah. Yeah. Who who would be Jim in that office? I mean, who would be Pam? Who who would be Todd Packer? Well, I think George Payton is very clearly David Wallace, right? <laughs> right, right. Right. He's right. very clearly David Wallace. Um, Todd, Todd Packer. Kind of feels like Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, a little bit, right? Because <laughs> yeah. the head and just, yeah. the, just the overall vibe of Dave Dave Keckner. Who's, yeah. who's Stanley? Who's Dwight? Maybe we can c- come up with these. Yeah, show if, you ha- if you have them, if you have them, that just came to us. So, 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 Matt, you and I, line. before we get into this uh, hot abs talk, because there is some hot abs talk going on. Oh, there's on, some hot abs talk. And you are the hot abs talker. I am the hot so abs talker. It's good that we have you here today. Yeah. But as we were walking in, we walked in at the same time. <laughs> we did. And you're nursing a bad shoulder. Ner- I plan hurt today. Yeah. Yeah, plan hurt today. What? Plan hurt every day, Nate. What happened? I'm 29 going on 65. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. So, yeah, that's just my stuff. Well, you told me, and I'm going to relay what you told me. Sure. Is that a violation of HIPAA? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, but you you said you were sitting in this seat yesterday with Tyler yeah, I was. For, four, for four hours, and yeah. you, you turned one way. Yeah. And then, ah, yeah. you said you got six tears in your shoulder. I do. I do, yeah. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, if I'm at the movie theater, I literally can't sit in any other row but the middle chair. Okay, okay. Like, if, if the middle seats aren't open, I can't go. Because what if someone taps you on the shoulder? Can you turn around? Sure, yeah, for a short period of time. Yeah. But if I have to sit at an 
angle for an extended period of time, it's not going to work. You got you got a little head headphone trouble. Over yeah, there. I'm actually having to hold it in the jack to even hear it. Right, hey man. So I'm going to wait till the, there after the first break, and then I'm going to figure this out. Okay, but this is a different seat. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's an adjustment for you. How, how's it feel? Uh, it feels good. Yeah, I there's a like different it. butt shape over there. Different butt shape. The chair is crap. Yeah, oh, well, sure. they, well, they all are. Uh, well, they this all one are. is particularly. A check's been in the mail on new chairs for ages. Is all I have to say on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got some text coming in about uh, the office. Bron- oh, yeah. Broncos edition. Broncos edition. Uh, Garrett Bowles is Dwight. Okay. I think that's yeah, pretty yeah, good. that's, pretty, that's good. pretty good. Yeah. Melvin Gordon is Creed. Uh, we, we, maybe, maybe. I, I do like the Garrett Bowles is Dwight. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. We got Bradley Chubb is Andy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I kind of get that one. Keep them coming, guys. I'm, the office is one of my probably. Top five shows of all time. Oh, it's an amazing show. Yeah. It's an amazing show. Michael, Wonderful Michael show. Michael Scott it is uh, is a character that just uh, keeps on giving, man. He is. Steve Carell is just a genius. He really is. I'm, I'll sign up for pretty much anything Steve Carell does. Yeah. Except right, for maybe his dramatic roles. <laughs> right, right. Well, what about... Uh, Foxcatcher was good. Foxcatcher. Welcome to Marwin. Not so much. What about the one... Uh, what's the one... Sunshine. Oh yeah, Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine. That's that's like a dramedy. That's like yeah. a, that's like a dramedy. That's an amazing movie. <clears throat> well, you know it isn't a dramedy. Mm. Valerian Nishushkin. Yeah. No, that's a that's just a, signed an eight year. That's a romance, is what that is. That is, and and a lot a lot of people were speculating as to whether that was going to happen. Right? Sure. How, can, how how can you keep all these guys? You can't. Because we just won the Stanley Cup. Now they're going to demand more money in the, uh, on the open market, right? Yeah. But Valerian Nishushkin was obviously someone they really wanted to keep. He just signed a deal yesterday while you were on the air. Eight years, $49 million, uh, 6.125 average per year. Can you talk about that deal and if you think oh, you think it's a good deal for the Avs or uh, for Nishushkin? Oh, I think it's a home run. I think it's an absolute home run. He was my number one offseason priority for them. Free agent, trade, draft. He was the guy. Number one. They, they, they get him locked up over eight years, which for hockey players, Nate, they don't have such high per year numbers. Like, Nishushkin will make 6.1 on average over the course of this contract. So what they do is they negotiate for stability and term in years. So he gets an eight-year deal, which will pay him 49 Million. I mean, this is a guy who had the best regular season of his career, posted 25 goals and 52 points in 62 games. He had 15 points in the playoffs and nine goals. If you were to have awarded a finals, you know, a cup final MVP trophy, he might have gotten it. That was how impactful he was. And this was a guy who back in 2019, the Avs signed to one year, $850,000 contract. So just a really awesome reclamation project and a great story and a guy who's who's earned it, Nate, because his skill set does not grow on trees. Really big, really strong, really fast, great on the forecheck, great on the back check, can score 20 goals a year. And he's a guy who's in the conversation moving forward for the Selkie Trophy, that's how good he is. That goes to the best defensive forward every year. So for me, when you look at it, I mean, Val's an Av through 2030. That's that's a home run for Joe Sackick and company. And now the Avs have about $15 million left in cap space, and they have about six spots left to fill on this team. So we'll see how it's divvied out. But early on, I just absolutely love this deal. Like I said, it was my number one priority. And Joe Sackick, you know, coming off of uh, – Winning GM of the year has been promoted to president of hockey ops and Chris McFarland to the general manager, and this is a great first step for that regime. So, NHL contracts are different from NHL. I'm uh, sorry, NFL and NBA yeah. contracts. Um, you just alluded to that a little bit. 
Is is it common in the NHL for a guy to sign an eight year deal, but then after three be like, I want out? I mean, is this, is this pretty indicative that he's going to be here for eight years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with the way that this contract is structured, it's backloaded. So after his age thirty two season, uh, the number will start to get more and more affordable. So if you did want to trade him, you wouldn't really need to if he wasn't as productive because his number is lower. But at the same time, that's around the time around his age thirty two season, which would be in around six years or so, when the Rantanen and Landeskog and Makar contract. You'll start to have to think about those once again. So, I mean, that's a long, long ways down the road. I think Val be an out for life, really. I mean, this guy has has earned it. I love that he's here. Great move by the organization. And what an exciting time. Looking forward to the future. Exciting time. Looking forward to the future with these Stanley Cup winners. Uh, the Stanley Cup itself, if you were to have that in your possession for a day, Matt, what would you do with it? Think about that. Yeah. Don't tell me right now. And, uh... Texters, if you guys want to text us in some creative ideas for what you would do with the Stanley Cup for a day, and we'll get into that and some more Bronco stuff coming up next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. Chad and Nate, and it is Chad's birthday, and Chad is not here. Should we should we text him? Sure. What should we text him? Do you H- have any? Should we come up with a good, funny birthday greeting for Chad? Yeah, HBD. HBD, bruh. Are you the? Are you like a Facebook happy birthday guy? It you depends. Put, you put happy birthday on people's Facebooks. You haven't talked used, to in fifteen years. No, no, I don't that do that. They're gonna remember you as a swell guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have. And then, hold on. Let me. Yeah, let me. Yeah, let, yeah, yeah, let you me follow that up, and then you yeah. can kind of lay, um, lay the foundation. Yeah, and then after that, do you expect them to do the same on your birthday on Facebook? And then the day after your birthday on Facebook, do you thank everybody on Facebook who wished you a happy birthday and told you, tell them that they made you feel great? <laughs> Guys, couldn't have, didn't have time to respond to everybody. Just wanted to say thanks for all the birthday wishes. No, no, I don't really do that anymore. You know, honestly, I just don't have a ton of like I, I'm, I'm trimming the fat on 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 the circle. So, how, I, how many Facebook friends you got? Like seven something, like seven sixty. It used to be more, and then I was at, I was at like twelve hundred, and then I was looking at it. I was like, who are I, these people? Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't need these don't many people. These I was like, kids. half of these people I just don't care about. Right. So I definitely, definitely trimmed the fat a little bit. I think I'm down to around seven. How, many, how about you? How about you? Yeah, I think I got about a thousand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like, but at the same time, you're but like, then it's like when I, do I don't Facebook? care about nine hundred and ninety right. of these people. Right. So. Creates the illusion that you're like in each other's lives, but you're not. <laughs> yeah, social media. But yeah, and then some of them you'll just kind of log on and you'll see these people like they'll constantly come up in your feed. Yeah, and their lives and their families, mm-hmm. and then eventually you're like, I don't want to see this anymore. Eventually, and right. then you just you just, you just like just I said, trim the fat. Axe. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. You get out and that axe. Never... Mike Evans is always talking about on our airwaves. Right. You hear him talking about it. Hey guys, I just picked up an axe. It's like, yeah, I told Mike. I said shirtless pics, or it didn't happen. Wow. Yeah. Like 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 Putin. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> a lot like Putin. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Before the break, <laughs> before the break I asked uh, I asked our our listeners, what would you do with the Stanley Cup if you had it for a day? We got Ooh, one what did we get? In. Well, we got 
One from the 303-505 saying, Me and Dorothy Mantooth would take the Stanley Cup out for a nice seafood dinner and then never call either one of them again. <laughs> By the way, in response to our who in the Broncos regime would be characters from The Office, yep. Vic Fangio is Toby. That is spot on. Because <laughs> everybody was singing, Goodbye, Toby. It's been not. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Someone said I thought Bowles would be Kevin. Oh, Brandon... I, there's one that says Brandon McManus is Toby <laughs> for the HR vibe. Big Fangio's better because everybody hates him. Stanley would be Kareem Jackson. No nonsense. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> um, okay, so be, before the break, um, well, I don't know if I teased this one. I didn't, but w- what we're going to get into is a conversation a lot of that. Right to the point. A lot of the hosts have been having about yeah. this top ten list. Yeah, man. So and, It's a wild list. It's a wild list. A listicle, yeah. you could say. ESPN produced a list, and they do that often to stimulate conversation. But sometimes it's interesting. Okay, the top 10 NFL players at each position. They polled players, coaches, execs. They came up with a list. Top 10. Your Broncos, three people on the top 10, uh, and one honorable mention guy. Okay? We're going to start with um, the highest on that list, and I'm going to get your reaction to it, Matt. You might be surprised to hear that one of the Broncos landed number one in the NFL at his position. Hmm. None other than Justin Simmons' safety for the Broncos. Yeah, this one took me by surprise. I mean, Justin Simmons didn't even make the Pro Bowl, right? When I think about it, you know, you think about impact plays from the Broncos' defense over the last few years, Nate, and it's tough to come up with anybody but Justin Simmons making plays. You can think of Patrick Sertan's, you know, pick six, but Bradley outside Chubb of that. had a big one last year. Yeah, yeah, he oh, did. Yeah. He did have a big one last strip, year. Sack, yeah, strip sack, fumble, return fumble. down yep. to the one. Yeah, it yep. was. But again, that's one. You know, if you want to be an elite defense, you need to create more moments like that. Why this do you season, think the Broncos didn't have a single pro bowler on the team? Do you think there was anything kind of political involved No, there? I just think it, they didn't have anybody that popped was, off the page. They weren't a flashy team, nor not offensively nor defensively. you think that was a philosophy? No, that was just a lack of... Execution. They couldn't get turnovers. They couldn't get sacks. So, and they struggled to get teams off the field in crucial situations on defense. Offensively, they couldn't even get the first first down, let alone score points. So, but you don't think that was a, a coaching philosophy to play it safe? Bend sure. Break? Okay. Well, <laughs> what I'm what I'm what I'm asking you here, Matt, yeah. is do you think these they have the players to become Pro Bowlers, or are these guys just not good enough? Was it a system problem or a talent? problem i think that was a marriage last season the system and the talent last season and now they've upgraded some of those positions and when you play better on the whole and have a quarterback that is your ticket you don't have a ticket in the nfl anymore if you don't have a quarterback so i gotta imagine nate that the effort is different when you have one of those guys like i was what talking to one a, of those guys me i was talking to Orlando. if you'd let me get there i was talking to orlando the other day and i said to orlando i said as an offensive lineman if you if you have to block for a drew lock or a russell wilson not stylistically but isn't there a difference in your mind you're like hey i got russ back there i can trust this guy he's going to put me in a position to succeed versus you know who knows what the hell drew lock's going to do back there on any given play right he what could, did orlando say and he said that you absolutely feel differently because you know Trust is such a big factor, and you know who you have behind you. So, so, so my point is, is that huh. I think you are going to see guys elevate their level of play because of the Russ effect. Okay. So you're saying offensive don't line? Don't you, Nate? Oh yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. But but I want to peel back some of the layers of some of the things. You peel that onion. All right. You, I grabbed the Kleenex. You basically said that offensive linemen are going to play harder yeah. for a better quarterback. Sure. Elucidate on that. Why wouldn't they play just as hard for a guy who maybe is struggling and needs more time back there? I think everybody can say it, but it's human nature. When there's more on the line, you tend to elevate your game or you shrink in the spotlight. It goes one of two ways. Were you a rise-to-the-moment guy or were you a shrinking-in-the-spotlight guy, Nate? Was I? Yeah. I, I like to think I was a rise to the moment. I man. think so, too. Look but, at you but, over there in that seat today. But for me, it didn't matter who was under center. Now I'm going to put it like that. I wanted to make that guy look good no matter what. Throw me a bad ball. I'll go get it. That's a reception. You get sure. those yards on your stat sheet because the play I made. That's what I. That's the way I looked at it. But if you played for Peyton Manning, right? I would do anything he asked. Right. But I would do anything any quarterback asked. Of course. but Even Drew Locke. And I understand that. And it's not to say that you would play differently just because of that guy. But, Nate, there's a different level of trust that you know if you're not there, not only are you letting the team down, but you're really letting him down. And he knows better to get on you, right? And and and, and that's it's what a it hierarchy. Is. That's it's what a it hierarchy. The ability for, for the quarterback to turn around and yell at you right. when you mess up. Right. If you don't have skins on the wall, like we like to say. That's what I'm saying, Am brother. I going to really listen to you, bro? That's what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> it all comes full circle, man. Yeah, man. Um, okay, so back to yep. Justin Simmons. Okay? Yes, sir. And his ability to, you, like you mentioned, he didn't make the Pro Bowl. No, sir. But he's the number one safety on here. So where is the disconnect? It's with the Vic Fangio kind of philosophy of coaching, or was there the something? The rest of the team, if defense is only played with one guy on the field, because then Because I, I heard Tyler talking yesterday. Yeah. And you, you were on with Tyler. I was on with Tyler. Saying Did you that, hear me talking? Yeah. Okay. You're sitting right here. Oh, yeah. The microphone smells like you. <laughs> Brush your teeth, man. Yeah. Uh, but, no, Tyler was saying he thinks the Broncos' pass rush is worse this year. It's gotten worse. It took a step back. So how is the secondary going to perform better? How is Justin Simmons going to That gonna... surprised me. Did that surprise you when it he did. said that? It, I, I, was, I, I have, haven't heard that from anyone, and I don't agree with that at all. I don't either. Yeah. I was, I was really surprised he said that. He was like, yeah, the pass rush, you know. I, but I think he was talking about it in context with the rest the of the AFC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it was the rest of the division because he said, look at the other guys that, that were added. I mean, you look at Khalil Mack in L.A., and then you look at Chandler Jones in Vegas. But that's not how you judge the Broncos' I agree. Pass rush. See, that's what I said. Right. Because so, they're not rushing against Khalil Mack. Right. It's, you know yeah, I mean? it's not, not like, Chubb and Mack. No. You know, motto y motto. Chubb and Mack and each other. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. So it definitely caught me by surprise when he said that. So you so you agree that they upgraded their, their Heck pass yeah, rush. man. Okay, so, and, and you believe that might positively reflect on the secondary. Boy, I sure hope so, because if you can't get pressure in the backfield, Nate, you can't create havoc, then you make the job that much harder on the guys in the back end. And when you have such good quarterbacks in this division, you better have really good, you know, symmetry between, you know, both your pass rush and your secondary. If you were to choose one team in this division that ain't going to live up to the hype, who would it be? Because before you answer, all of them are being hyped. Yeah, man. They're talking about this is going to be the most competitive, awesomest division ever. The Mo- best. The most awesomest. The most I think awesomest. that's what they're saying, actually. The NFC West was really, really good last year, mm-hmm. right? This year, the prediction is the AFC West is going to be the best division in football because of the quarterbacks. Now, I believe there's going to be a team among them that have a losing record. <laughs> really? Yes. I mean, I guess they could cannibalize themselves, but I don't think that. I don't think so. I think what do you, you mean got, by I, that? What's that? What do you mean by cannibalize themselves? Meaning that 
you, infighting? Split, you split a lot of these divisional games oh, instead of West. instead of sweeping them. So if you're splitting, you know, at least six of these games, Nate, then at, at a certain point you're not going to have the 14 and, you know, three record that you could. A lot of intrigue there, Matt. A lot, lot of lot intrigue. Of intrigue. We're gonna, a lot of intrigue, Nate. There's a lot of intrigue. We're going to climb up on top of the high dive, and we're going to take a, a gainer back into that intrigue when we come back. But first, let's hear from Spilly. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. can't see is Matt really going back and forth, hands in the air, sway inside to side. That shoulder must be warmed up, man. Because you were really milking Or maybe you were just milking Music it. Music makes you, you lose control. <laughs> you're just milking it on the way in. Look, you get out your moment that, and like, that oh, was I'm okay, like, I can go. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Exactly what it was. Well, before the break, we were talking about uh, which teams, which team in the AFC West could be a stinker. There's a lot of high expectations around the AFC West. We're going to continue talking about these ESPN lists, though, real quick, because hot off the presses, we got the running backs list, top 10 ESPN running backs. This list was compiled by players, uh, actually probably compiled by an intern, but voted on by uh, players, coaches, execs, and uh, we got some players in the top 10. And scouts as well. Yep. So it should be pretty comprehensive here. Yes, sir. We talked last uh, segment about how Justin Simmons, number one on the safeties list, didn't even make a Pro Bowl. So obviously there's a disconnect between the way people look at you in the league as, as a talent and then the way the success of your team depends on the accolades that you get. Sure. Someone on the text line said the Broncos didn't have any Pro Bowlers because they were only on national television one time. Yeah. What say you to that? I think it matters. Yeah? I do think it matters. But I think the Broncos were... I mean, the people who are voting, I mean, uh, yeah. Hey, what are they doing? I mean, but at the same time, how many how, how many fans digest games by watching Red Zone or by watching Sunday mm-hmm. Ticket or by watching multiple NFL games? Yeah. So it's not like you don't see every team. Well, you also, but, but when you watch Red Zone, you don't get a real idea of the flow of the game, why things happen. You oh. see the, you see the, you know, the touchdowns and you see. I don't the- agree. I actually really don't agree. As somebody who watches Red Zone every single Sunday, I think they do an awesome job of highlighting everything. And if you're playing the fantasy, but it's not one, just the big one play leads to the next bet. I understand that, it's and it doesn't tell the story as well if you, if you look at it like that. It but, does not. But if you're trying to keep up with the narrative of nine games and the story and the overall important moments, you're not going to miss anything important that happens. Like that, you you won't. Maybe on a subtle difference strategically, it's like, oh, they ran that they ran that run to the right here, and they're setting up the play action for later in the third quarter. Like maybe well, if you're looking at it at that type of a context, but if you're just looking at it on the surface level, where it's like, hey, okay, did they throw a pick on that last drive? Was it four and out? Did they go, you know, three and out? Did or or are they are they driving it in the red zone? So I no. I I think that red zone's amazing, but if you're checking your phone, watching, you know, playing fantasy football and watching that, I mean, you really don't miss much. The entirety of the universe is contained in a single pine needle. Mm. Okay. If you watch one game start to finish, you will understand what's going on in the NFL at large. If you flip around, play here, play there, play here, play there, you're not going to understand diddly squat, Matt. 
You're going to understand the numbers. Maybe that's why my dating life hasn't been going so well. <laughs> one here, one there, one here, one there. So for context, to understand yeah. why a play happens, you need to understand the chain, each link in the chain that led up to it. Why is it third and eight, Matt? Why did they dial up a blitz there? Why did they do a play action pass? And why did it work? I'll tell you why it worked. Because of a play five plays ago that you didn't That's see. what I just said. Yeah, right? I know. I get it. I get it. So the lack of um, primetime games certainly affected the eyeballs on these Broncos. But I think that the team wasn't very good. They weren't very exciting. Offensively speaking, they didn't take any shots down the field. They played conservative ball. You okay, man? Yeah, but yeah, man. Yeah. Is I'm the fine. pain look on your face because I, of fine. me or your show? It's, it's it's a combination of both. So so I I, I enjoy red zone. I'm, I, don't get me wrong. I think it's great to have it on and to to if you don't have a team that you really want to watch, put on red zone. But How if about you have really multiple wanna, screens. Well, if like, you want to understand that? a team and a game, if you want to understand the team that you're talking about, you have to watch the whole I game. I agree. I agree. You, that's have, why you have to see the special teams plays I, that don't work. I agree. Right? That's, that's why you I watch the, the Broncos punts. game completely. Right. Yeah. And that's why I choose not to watch the Bears game completely because it's just too painful. What do you think about Justin Fields? Is, uh, is, is, it's the, that, that well is much deeper than Justin Fields, let me tell you. So do you think Justin Fields is going to be – a Pro Bowl quarterback? No. Never? Never. Do you think they'll move on from him? Oh, yeah. Within the next couple of years? Yeah. What a mistake that was. Eh, I was a, it was a chance worth taking for them at the time. I mean, if you if you subscribe to D-Max Quarterback Theory, it was the only it was the only play to make. Do you subscribe to it? Uh, no, you because he's, a little he, no, because he generalizes a lot of things, and, and, and it's not a blanket situation. There's more case by case, and even at the end of his piece, if you read it on DenverFan.com, he got to, George Payton got it right. Eventually. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah he, he, so he even admitted it himself, but at the same time, look, everything, it's, it, everything is so different in context of every team situation so no I, I don't think there is one general rule nothing is that simplistic in sports well um, what about the question I posed to you Matt about the AFC West mm, now we are it? predicting and we, we can go through the other divisions as well but let's just start with the AFC West we are predicting the AFC West to be the most competitive uh, talented division maybe in the history of the NFL because of the offseason moves that have been added and the quality of the quarterback play, which you alluded to. Hey, if you don't have a quarterback, you got nothing. We got that guy now, okay? So among the Chiefs, Chargers, the Raiders, and your Broncos, all of, all of them are predicted by some to be 10-win teams. Which one of those teams do you think is more prime, most primed for a stinker season, a losing season? Denver. Explain. I just think if you look around, you've got more continuity in other places. And Denver, if we're going to project like that and, and say who's got the lowest floor of any team in the AFC West, I think it is Denver. Because, look, outside of Russ, you, you've got primarily the same team coming back, right? You added DJ Jones, you added Kwan Williams, you added Randy Gregory, and who knows if Randy Gregory is going to be healthy by the time he starts really, the season. really good football players you just mentioned. Exactly. Right. Really good football players. So you would expect them to be better, right? But offensively, you got about the same group out there, outside of the most important position in which you made a significant upgrade. So for me... Again, I think the Broncos will be much better, but I'm talking about the lowest floor. I believe it is Denver. Not the Raiders? No. 
No. I think there's too much talent there now. The Joshi boy, though? Yeah. Yeah, well, look, and, and maybe, and maybe there, it's an unknown. Again, it's an unknown. But at the same time, I'm willing to bet that Josh does better his second time around the block, especially considering the situation in Indy, right? I mean, he was going to be the coach in Indy. Then he left at the last second. If he doesn't do well, like he, 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 the only place he's going to be able to get a job is back in New England. Can you really fix that sort of character, though? If you're the guy, that guy who does that stuff. You know, and, Nate, and- some people like to say a leopard can't change its spots, but I believe in second chances. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you believe what you just said there. Yeah. This isn't wouldn't be a second chance for Josh. This is, you know, third Second chance at a head coach opportunity. No, but he, but but what but he pulled out. He he agreed on the deal and then and then reneged on it. And then he also had a chance here and he blew that one. Right. But really, this is his second time as a head coach because even if he pulled out, he still was never the head. I coach. guess what I'm talking about is your character. When you say you're going to do something, you do it and you do it the right way. He hasn't had the ability to do that. What I'm asking you is, as an adult, can you learn the ability to do things the right way after you've shown yourself to be a snake? Good question. Again, I think it depends upon the person. I, I don't have a personal relationship with Josh, so I couldn't tell you one way or another if that's going to be the case. But I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt, Matt. Thanks, Nate. When we come back, we're going to get into this. Somebody called me a Denver hater because I said the Broncos have the lowest floor. Do, is it a hater just because I'm telling you the facts? Is, is, does that make me a is hater? Is it a fact that they have the lowest floor? Do you think floor? it's a fact that they have the lowest floor? No. I don't. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Got some good text coming in off the text line up. Responding to my comments on Josh McDaniels. Got one that says, LOL, Nate hates Joshy. Another one saying Nate is still salty over a phone call he felt he should have received. Oh, his well, McDaniel, talk to me. His McDaniel's hate is sickening. Two exclamation points. Sickening. Yeah. You've sickened a listener. Uh, you sickened me. Josh the Mc- listeners, too? Josh McDaniel's uh, was responsible for the end of my career here. Mm. Um, so, a little salty. So, talk to me about Josh. Perhaps. Is uh, that a leopard that can change his spots? You know, I actually... I was being a little bit of a devil's avocate. Mm-hmm. I do think he can change, and I do think he has, at least based on the words that he has said. Now, the actions do speak louder, and apparently there already is a little bit of drama over there. Oh. With with GMs and coach and that kind of thing. But but is that his doing or the way they've structured it in the organization? Yeah, it's, it's the Raiders, right? Yeah. It's the yeah. Raiders. I mean, yeah. you look back even to the to the Shanahan years. When Shanahan was the head coach of the Raiders, the drama going on between him and Al Davis was go back and read it. Uh, I can't do it justice by kind of paraphrasing it, but there were Al Davis's guys in the coaching staff and there were Shanahan's guys, and, and they didn't really get along. And so when Al Davis's guys weren't pulling their weight, one of Shanahan's guys said something to Al Davis's guy, and then that guy ran up and told Al Davis. So Al Davis fired Shanahan's guy. So Shanahan fired Al Davis's guy. Gotcha. And then Al Davis told him, no, you're not fired. Come back to work. So he comes back to work, and they're all trying to work and coach a football team with this sort of drama going around mm. in that organization. It's dysfunctional. It's toxic, like Britney Spears would say. Symbiosis. That's what you need. Okay, yep. collaboration, and that's what George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett tried are trying to create and have. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and the Raiders will always sort of have that tension and that ability to uh, make it toxic. And so I do think Josh McDaniels is at risk of doing that. But but what he did talk about was that he learned from his mistakes. And I'm not talking about me, although I know I, firing me was a mistake. Right. Well, oh, clearly. But there were a litany of things that he did wrong as the leader. And you're not team. alone he was, in feeling that way. No. I mean, there's plenty of people who feel that way. And certainly I do as well. I mean, his time here was a, a mess in a nutshell, right? I mean, there weren't many things that he got right while he was in Denver, truthfully. So when I look at it, yes, I think that that is an unknown. But I also know, I, I think I give him the benefit of the doubt more than anything because of the school of coaching that he comes from and who he's been working so closely with all these years. And, and to have that experience at Denver and then go back to New England and kind of go through it and comb through it and learn from your mistakes with Belichick, talk through it with, hey, hey look, this is what this you is. You think what he talks through yes, it I do. with Bill? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Bill's a much different guy behind closed doors than he shows publicly. I think he, because you'd have to be. No one would want to talk to you if you were an old curmudgeon like that all the time. That's why we don't like to talk to James Merrillat, you know, when, <laughs> when we're off air. Yeah, it was weird when James came in here yesterday with a cutoff sweater. Like, James, what are you doing? Like a, like a belly cutoff? No, the cutoff sweater <laughs> that Belichick wears. For the games? Oh, yeah, the, the Belichick hoodie. The hoodie. So, so, um, Sorry, the sweater. A the, question. It's a Belichick hoodie. hoodie. If you would have said hoodie, I would have been like, ha-ha, that's a Belichick joke. I but think probably the listeners the joke. got the joke. I don't think they did. I don't think so. You were sipping your Skyra Icelandic <laughs> spring water. Where did you get that? You have to say that with your pinky up. My goodness. Why do you think Bill Belichick's coaching tree is so barren? For a man who is going to be considered question. the best coach in the history of the NFL, or at least in the conversation, right? Why can none of his assistant coaches go elsewhere and succeed and then come running back to daddy? You think they come running back to daddy and he tells them what they did wrong? Or do you think he doesn't want them to go out and have success? Why does it not work? Well, your partner would clearly be able to speak to this better than I because he was a former Patriot himself. But as I've learned from him over the years, that that is an organization that has to be run and a culture that has to be run from the top down. You have to have an all business approach from every single member of your organization. And if it's not run like that with really strong focused and confident leadership, then it's not going to work. And trying to copy and paste that culture to other NFL teams never works. Nate, it rarely works to try and copy and paste culture from any sports team to another. For instance, last year when Wes Unseld got hired in Washington, he tried to copy and paste the Denver Nuggets culture to the Wizards. It blew up in his face tremendously, and now they'll be doing things differently from they're on out because when you don't have guys like Tim Connolly or Nikola Jokic in the building, right? When you don't have a Bill Belichick or a Tom Brady in the building or a Mac Jones who falls in line as a good soldier, right? Then things change and everybody has to do it the same way. Everyone has to know the expectations. And when you try and just bring one little piece of that, like a Joe Judge to New York, it doesn't work. So you're saying you got you to gotta take the good things you learn from your mentors but you got to inject your own personality, take a pulse of the new place you're at, and build something new that everybody can identify with. Right? Boom, boom. boom take boom. that pulse. <clears throat> well, I think that, um, you know, these Denver Broncos under Nathaniel Hackett are trying to do just that. And he's never run the show before. He's a first-year head coach. First-year offensive coordinator, Justin Outen. First-year defensive coordinator, Idrio Evero. 
First-year special teams coordinator, Stukes. First-year owner. Considering all those factors, is that part of the reason why you stated in the last segment that the Broncos have the lowest floor among any other team in the AFC West, or is this more about the talent, the players? I think it's both. Hmm. I think there's a good amount of both in it, right? You got a lot of players on this team in prove-it years that need to show that they can bring their games to another level to truly compete with the NFL's elite. And you have a lot of improvements with the coaching staff, a lot of guys who are in new roles that they have not performed in before, some that they have. So for me, I think you're going to have a really good blend. But I, I also feel like I'm very confident in this team because I think for this chapter in Broncos history and for this era, the relationship between head coach and quarterback has to be stronger than it's ever been before. Because I think we saw with Peyton that when that kind of split apart with Gary Kubiak, there was some more drama in the building. Yeah, maybe they, there they, needed to be. Yeah, it sucked. They won the Super Bowl. Right, eventually. Right? No, no, but that this, year. Right. Right. Yeah, but I'm talking about when he got hired. So, based on your comment... The, the, the working relationship between the coach and the quarterback yeah. has to be kumbaya. Right. You're, yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I am. No tension. No tension. Not not this year. Not with so many new moving pieces. Gary Kubiak was the only new moving piece at that point, right? There were a couple changes, but that was the biggest one So where, by far. So, so do you consider there to be um, benefit in a healthy tension? Is there such a thing as a healthy tension on a football team or any sports team? Sure. Or does everyone just need to be... All right, guys, this is going to be great. Everything is great. You're great. We're great. We're going to go, go. Great, great, great. I think it's a healthy tension between players is not a bad thing because it breeds a sense of competition. But uh, tension between coaches and players doesn't tend to end up all that well. You don't think? I don't think so. I think there was always a really good amount of tension between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Okay. And that spurned both of them on to greatness. But you don't know that. Well, of course I do. (laughs) <laughs> there was tension between Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, a lot of it. Sure. Now, I think the relationship between Coach Shanahan and, and John Elway was more friendly and more symbiotic than most co- uh, co- quarterback-to-coach relationships. But you'd be surprised how much tension there is between the coach and the quarterback because the coach wants the quarterback to do what he would do. But why is there so much tension? Because there's so much pressure on both guys to succeed and get the job done. Correct. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad relationship. I think you need a good relationship, a symbiotic, to use your word, relationship. So you mentioned tension amongst players. Yeah. How, can, a, how can that be good? Breeds a sense of competition. Look at Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon decided that he thinks he's good enough to start in this team, so he's going to miss OTAs the first year of a brand-new regime, and he's going to roll right in here, and, hey, man, don't call me a backup. Look, best of luck to Melvin this year. I think he's in for a rude awakening. So in Seattle, part of Russ's success and the Super Bowl win that he had in those couple years where they went to the Super Bowl and they lost that game against the Patriots, but there was a, at least reported, there was a healthy amount of tension between Russell and the defense. The defense was an edgy group of dudes. They were loud. They were brash. They had enormous egos, and they didn't like that Russell was trying to steal the show. So they would talk a lot of crap to him during the game. Or I'm sorry, not during games, during practices. It got very heated, and Pete Carroll fostered that with his competition Wednesdays or whatever it was. But where was that born from? Seattle's defenses and securities. Right? They wanted to shine. 
Right. So it, do you do you think that was a good thing? For of course, Seattle? because what did it do? Right. It bred competition. So so it pushed them to be better. So just like you sitting in that driver's seat, I have to sit here and push you to be better. Like that's Vice my versa. job. Vice versa. So considering these Broncos and Russell Wilson, who has been handed the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. Right. He's getting to call his shots. How would you feel, Matt, if you go out there on, you know, let's say you go to the fifth train camp practice or whatever it is. You're sitting up there on the hill. You're, you're fiddling with your mustache. You're picking food out of it. You're sipping a Skyra Icelandic spring water. And you hear the defense talking smack to number three, Russell Wilson, getting in his kitchen. Matt, I'm going to ask you what you feel about that. And I'm going to do it next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.